How are we all? It's funny when you have people introduce you and you, because you, you actually think, who is this person? Because <laughs> you, ne- you never actually see ourselves the way that sometimes you're seen. Our perception of ourselves can actually shift. And Dr. Rupert, you've really helped. Uh, Sujith is talking about somebody who's helped him. You've really, really helped me. You really have. And more than that, you've helped Dell. So Dell is a super fan of yours, and she's never even met you simply because she's seen me change and just, I, I need to meet this lady. She is amazing. So thank you so much. We all need help, don't we? And the great thing about church is when we come together, God is able to speak to us. So this morning, I want to talk about how we need to be planted in the house. Listen to this verse. It's Psalm 92, verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord... They will flourish in the courts of our God. It's an Old Testament verse, but it's talking about being planted in the house of the Lord. In the Old Testament context, we could say it's planted in the temple, planted in where the presence of God is. In the New Testament context, it's exactly the same, planted in the place where God needs us to be. I became a Christian at 24. I had um, a checkered past where I had done my thing and, and tried to live my life, tried to sort myself out, tried to make, um, make life work for me like most of us did. At the age of 24, I dyed blonde hair, I had a earring. I was, uh, you know, just thinking I was cool, looking like a fool. And, you know, that type of guy, just out every week. And I want to talk about something today that, that I'll share later. But in those days, I was earning £140 a week because I was a plumber. That was my, my trade. I loved being a plumber. I loved, loved doing what I was doing. Friday night, I'd get my pay from work, little brown envelope, 140 pound. I'd give my mother what she had. I can't remember what it was. I think it was about 20 pound. That was living with my mum. Then everything that I would live for would go on the Friday night and the Saturday on the Sunday. I'd have enough money to get me through the week just to get a pint every night so that I could get to Friday so that I could lose myself in drink again. Why? Because I was lost. You, you constantly live empty. You try to fill yourself. You try to find yourself. You try to discover yourself. The only way, I, I'm six foot two, uh, I'm a bit more weightier than I used to be, but the only way I could dance is if I had a load of pint beer inside of me. And so I'd have to get Dutch courage because I was very introvert. I was very quiet. I'd end up fighting, doing all the different things, all to try and live the way I thought that I needed to live, trying to achieve something that was so elusive. And then I met Jesus. Went to church, sat in the church similar to this, gave my life to Jesus. My father led me to Jesus in the back room. He, he prayed a prayer, and in those days, what used to happen is you'd come out, and, and basically, the, the pastor said, okay, go and tell everybody now. And so I can remember walking out, all the people were having a coffee, and I just said, tonight I gave my life to Jesus. I remember this lady coming up, I'd never met her before, this big Welsh, oh, love, we've been praying for you for ages, we have, this is so exciting. <laughs> give me this big hug, kiss me on the cheek. And I was, I was this trophy in the church. I had been saved. I was the first one that got saved for a while. Del came in a year later. My wife, she got saved. I, I looked back, saw her, and thought, wow. That night, she gave her life to Jesus. That night, 
we went to a young person's home that night and invited her to the prayer meeting. Guys, if you're looking for a girl, prayer meeting's always a good one. I noticed there's one on Wednesday, invite him to the prayer meeting. I said, do you want to come to the prayer meeting? It was on a Monday night. She said, yes. So we, I picked it up in my, in my work van. How romantic am I? Smelling of plumber's oil and all the rest of it. And that night, we started courting. Within a week, we knew we were going to get married. Our lives transformed. Because Jesus comes in and transforms things. But the thing that happened the night I gave my life to Jesus was that I fell in love with him, and I fell in love with his church. I really did. I fell in love with his church. I will fight for the church because the church is his house. I love the church. It's the most incredibly annoying, frustrating thing in the world, but it's the most incredible thing in the world. It's where we find our biggest heartaches and our biggest blessing. The house of God is here for you, but also God has placed you here for it. And sometimes what we do, we breeze through church and we attend church or we attach ourselves to church. And God says, I need you planted in the house. You see, if I've got seeds sitting on my windowsill, if I've got, uh, I pull a plant out and stick it on my windowsill, how many of you know that's going to die? Why? Because it's been uprooted. It's been disengaged from its environment And if I leave it, even though it's got some of the things on it that were in that environment, it'll soon die. But if I replant it in a pot, if I get it in a garden, if I put it in a greenhouse, you all know that if you get the right environment, the thing will start to flourish and the thing will start to flower and then it'll start to fruit. Why? Because when it's planted in the right environment, life comes. You see, when you plant something, if you plant in a garden, it's not that the plant just sits there alone. It draws from that environment everything it needs. It becomes part of the environment. So now, instead of it just being an isolated plant, it's sitting in a garden with all the other plants contributing and consuming from both areas. And you and me need to understand that that we're not saved to pass through. We're not saved to attend. We're not saved to turn up. We're not saved to worship and just have an event, we're saved to be the people of God. And God speaks about his people in communities called the church. We're part of the global church, but we're also part of a local church. And God wants us to be planted in his church. So here's my question for you. Are you planted? Are you planted in this house? Because if you're not planted, the chances are you are not going to fruit in the way and flourish in the way God wants you to. Now, you can attend, and maybe some of you have come recently, and you're thinking we're having a lot. All of that's fine. But if you can't plant in this house, can I encourage you, find a house where you can. That doesn't mean go. That means get planted. But at the same time, if you can't plant here, you have to have a home. When, when, when God began a work in people, he he. he He created Adam and Eve, and he put them in an environment. He put them in the Garden of Eden. He built borders around them, and then he said, I want you to go in that garden. And Adam, I want you to look after the garden. It it was paradise, but there was work involved. I want you to tend the garden. I want you to name the animals. I want you to contribute to the environment. Yes, the garden will give you fruit. Yes, the garden will give you boundaries. It'll help you find definition in your life, but you have to contribute to it. 
And if we are going to be successful in life, we've got to not... We've got to move from consuming to contributing so that what God has put in us can flow from us into the lives of other people. Are you with me? It's really important we understand this because Jesus, today more than any other time, I think, needs his church to be an environment where all of us are busy connecting everybody else into the church. There should never be somebody who comes in on a Sunday morning and feels like a spare part, sits on their own, has to, uh, you know, we need to make sure that every person that comes in here is cared for, looked after, connected. Why? Because we want to rub off on them. We want to help them. We want to serve them. And God wants you and me to look after people, to care for people. And that means we've got to be planted. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. So what does planted look like? Because you might be here and you say, well, I'm planted. I come to church every week. Is that what we're talking about? I read my Bible. I pray. I do. How do we know when somebody's planted? Well, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, we know because of three things that I would say show planted. First one is contribution. If you're planted, you contributed. It's not just that we are consuming, that we are receiving, that we are getting from. Adam and Eve would eat the fruit, they could get everything, but they actually served the environment where they were. They contributed to that environment and made sure they were looking after the environment and doing what God had told them to do. It wasn't just a one-way street, it was two-way. Plants draw from the environment, but then they fruit in the environment so everything around them can enjoy what they produce. And for you and me, it's really important we understand that if we are going to be planted, then contribution is a, is a very important aspect. There's lots of different ways in which you can contribute, but two ways I want to talk about this morning. First of all, serve him practically. Jesus, it says, the night before he was betrayed, took the towel, stripped down, took a bowl of water and washed his disciples' feet. He said, I do this because I love you, I do this as an example for you, and I do this because I want to serve you as your master. If I have served you, you now serve each other. What was he saying? If you want to be planted, it's necessary that we serve each other. So, we love the worship this morning. We love the fact that there are chairs out this morning. We love the fact that our kids are being looked after. We like the fact that the lights are on and it's not freezing cold here. We like the fact that we've got car park and we've got venue and all the things we've got. How did all these things come about for you? Oh, God's church, it just happens. No, it's not. People turned up here early. People practiced during the week. People have served and got involved. Do you know that you and me today... We are in somebody's dream 50 years ago. We are sitting in somebody's dream, somebody's aspiration. People, a group of people came together as the church of Jesus and saw something that they built and gave to and contributed to and sacrificed for that they served to build so that we can sit here today where we are. But God is always looking down to the next generation. The kids that are meeting upstairs today are being cared for by people who are willing to serve, give their time. Why? Because they've found that the house of God is worth serving. You might say, they don't need me here. I want to say, I don't know. I come here once a year. But I know this. They need you. They need your gift. They need your smile. 
They need your contribution. They need your care. They need your love. They need your value. They need you to be planted. Why? Because God has placed you here. And if you were here today, I've got to believe that God wants to say something to you. You're needed. Your contribution is really important. Why? Because if we all contribute together, then nobody has to contribute alone. We're called a community of people. For 37 years, I've been a Christian, and for 37 years, I've served. 37 years. So people say to me, yeah, but you're full-time, you're paid to be a pastor. No, I'm not. I'm paid not to be a plumber. Are you with me? I was never paid to be a pastor. I'm a volunteer in the church because I don't clock in and clock out. They pay me so that I don't have to do other things so that I can focus on what God wants me to do. I'm not paid to be a pastor. We're all volunteers in this together. We're all serving together. We're all contributing. Why? Because we're building his house for his glory, for his name. And I want to encourage you. Don't pass through. Don't turn up. Don't come in at 10.30 and run at 12 o'clock and just think, oh, I've been to church today. God is not somebody that we stamp our card on. He died to save us and place us. He died that we might fruit and flourish. That your life would be engaging with others. We are better together. We have so much more incredible potential in us if we could just understand we need each other. And so you're not spare. You're not devalued. I don't know what life has said to you. In this house, you have a contribution to make and we need you. We need you. We need you. God needs you. He's placed you here. You've got unique gifts, skills, and abilities. Nobody else can laugh like you. Maybe you've got a <laughs> laugh. That's okay. Somebody else coming in who's got the same laugh needs to meet you. So they can say, oh, I feel at home. You know, the best compliment you can ever get as a pastor is when you talk to somebody and say, oh, what brought you here today? Oh, it's my first time. And they say, I like your church and I like this and this is. And then three weeks later, you say, how are you going? Yeah, yeah, I love our church. Language has changed. Yours to ours. You go, oh. Or they come up to you and you say, I walked in this morning. I, I haven't stopped crying. I feel like I've come home. Oh, my word, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build a home for people who are lost. We're trying to build an environment. Um, And please, I don't know you, but God knows you and God needs you. Please don't come and just attend. Come and get planted. Come and get planted. Serve. Join a team. There's, There's tons of teams that need you. And even if they don't need you, they need you. Do you know why? Because they may be serving this week, but wouldn't it be brilliant if you serve next week? They don't have to. They can sit down and enjoy. And together we can do what God has called us to do. We need to serve. We need to serve practically. Second thing, we need to sow financially. Oh, don't go there. Oh, don't go there. Why does the church always talk about money? Because Jesus always talked about money. We don't always talk about money. But I think money is important. You know why? Because when I gave my life to Jesus, seriously, 37 years ago, if they'd have sat me down and said to me, okay, great, Jesus died for you, and here's the deal. You now have given your life to him, so from now on, 50% of your wages must go to Jesus. I would have gone, 
But do I start next week old? Because to me, giving my life to Jesus was exactly that. It was giving my life to Jesus. He came into my life. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And yet we come to church and we change the deal on God. We give our lives to him, but actually we just dip our toe in. We say, yeah, I've given you my life. And God says, okay, give me your life then. Yeah, but I've given you my life. No, no, I want your life. Come on, that's my part of the deal. I give my life for you. You now give your life to me. Oh, and we try and change the deal on God. The Bible actually talks about us as, as following Jesus. So, so when it comes to finance, this is what the Bible says. Listen to Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. First fruits, not last. It's not the tip at the end. It's at the first fruits. It's the beginning. Give him from your full, not your empty. Listen, I know that's Old Testament, so you go, oh, well, that doesn't count. Well, let's go to Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. So here's the deal. God wants to add to your life. God wants you to flourish, but he invites you to make the first step. I've, I've heard this a million times if I've heard it once. When God blesses me, I'll give to him. No, no, the Bible says when you give to God, he bless you. It starts with you and me. We're the ones who contribute first. Why? Because we have given our lives to him. And I'm not talking about money today. I, I preached this in our church the other week. We're on this series. And, and sometimes as, as a leader, it's like as if I'm trying to get money from you. I'm not. I'm trying to get favor to you. I promise you. I promise you. God doesn't need your money. You need, you need to give to God. Why? Because it's biblical, because it honors, because it celebrates, because it prioritizes, because it says, God, you're first in my life. And what does God do? He says, when you put me first, I can now put you first. You release me to be released into your life. You mean I can restrict God? Yes. I can stop God's favor by living in my, oh, well, I'm going to look after my money. Well, you look after it then. Or, God, this is your life. Now, bless your ministry through my life. Bless my life. Listen to what it says, Malachi 3. You probably heard this before. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God actually challenges his people in the Old Testament under a covenant of blood that we heard about earlier. So we're not even in the New Testament where, it, where, where the life is in us. This is just a community. And he says, test me in this. If you will put me first with your tithes and your offerings, I will do what? I will open the floodgates of heaven. What are floodgates? Floodgates are gates that hold back. So just imagine 
If you've been to London and you've seen the Thames barrier, what do they do? They restrict the flow so when they shut the gates, the flow of water can't increase and they limit the flow. When they open them, the flow can happen as much as it wants to. Right now, if you are not tithing, you're restricting heaven's flow into your life because you haven't opened the gates by the way God wants you to do it. God says to you, I want to stop the devourer. I want to stop the pest. I I can't wait to get to heaven, not to see the miracles that God did that I know about, but the miracles he did I don't know about. Remember that time when this happened? Yeah, yeah, well, that didn't run out because of me. And you see that coming there? That's what I stopped because you put me first. I was able to get involved in your life. And you you didn't even know the blessing that was taking place in your life. It's just the floodgates were open over your life. And I was doing something in you. And generosity was flowing. I was doing so much more. I want to say 37 years. 37 years. First week, I gave my life to Jesus. This is before God. The next week, I tithed. And for 37 years, in Bible college, we tithed. We had a little grant from the council down in Wales. Me and Del, we said we got a tithe because we're committed to Jesus. For 37 years, I have tithed. So over that time, I seriously have given tens of thousands of pounds. Here's what I want to say to you. I would not, I would not want to restrict one penny of what I've given. In fact, if truth be known, after 37 years, when I look back, Think, oh, great, you could have given so much more. Have you seen Hacksaw Ridge? It's the war film where the Adventist guy says, I will not kill anybody, but he's up on top of the ridge. It's Second World War. It's all going on, and he's, he's rescuing men on his own all night long. He's pulling them, and he's speaking to himself, God, give me one more. Give me one more. And all night long, they're coming down, and the men are thinking, it's a true story. It happened. Have a look at it, Axel Ridge. And the fact is, for you and me, we won't get to heaven and say, oh, one more car. If I had bought one more car. If I had just had one more car. If I had just had that meal. Oh, if I just had that. Heaven's going to give you a flavor of life you've never understood. You will look back and think, why? Why, why didn't I put you first, God? You're the God of all creation. And I was so limited in my understanding. God wants to open floodgates over your life. He wants to do it. People say to me, and I want to answer questions. Maybe this is not you, but people say to me, well, the thing with tithing, I don't believe it's a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament law. Well, I want to say to you, it was pre-law. It didn't start with Moses. started with Abraham. was carried on with, by his son. Then it comes through law. Then it comes through the cross. Listen to what Jesus says about it in Matthew 23. He says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Are you with me? What did Jesus say? He said, it's good that you're tithing. But you should have mercy and justice and and those kind of things going with it. Now, you should do the one without neglecting the other. He had every opportunity to say, that's just Old Testament. You know, forget that stuff. It's all about now your heart. But he didn't. He said, you should be doing that 
while doing this. Paul implies the same thing in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1 and 2. Now about the collection of the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. And what he says is, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. What's he talking about? He's talking about a percentage. He may not be talking about it in the same way we understand it, but he's talking about you give according to how you've been blessed, how you have received. For you and me, I want to say to you, God wants us to be contributors. So the chair you're sitting on, somebody paid for. The lights that we're enjoying, somebody paid for. The ministry that God gives us, somebody paid for. This church is not funded by the government. This church hasn't got a benefactor that gives it a million pound a year to keep running. This church runs on the tithes and offerings of the people who are here. And so I want to invite you. Invite you to be planted. Plant in the house of God. And allow God to bless you. Allow God to give you everything that you need. I've got four kids. And three of them are in ministry in in Legacy Church. My daughter's moving out to Miami. Her husband is nicking her, stealing her away from me. They're going to take over to church there. But, but to see your children tithe and, and to actually give and not have the things that they could have if they didn't tithe, it's, that's what life is all about. To see the next generation doing what they've learned in the house of God. You see, if we, when, when you come to church, you have to realize that you're not fighting for you. You're fighting for the next generation. So my parents became Christians when I was 14. My mom became a Christian when I was 14. My dad when I was 18. They were the first ones to become a Christian. And all of a sudden, the, the, the knock-on effect, so now I, then I became a Christian. My brother, before he died, became a Christian. Me, we brought our kids up as Christians. Now we've got a legacy of Christian. I've got seven grandkids who are being brought up in the house of God. Why? Because the house of God is so important. Don't talk negatively about the church. Don't talk negatively about the house of God. Why? Because your kids will pick it up and they'll carry it into their future. Let's celebrate God. Let's serve God. Let's sacrifice and sow for God. Number three, number two, we connect physically and spiritually. So when, when we're thinking about being planted, planted is about connection. So God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. It was a place where they connected with God. It says God would come and meet with them in the afternoon and he'd talk with them. He'd have community with them. The, the garden, the, the house of God is so that you and me can connect with God. We love to worship. We love to hear the word of God. But it's more than that. It's connecting with one another. It's being part of a life group, being part of a team. It's being part of a community. It's, it's opening your lives up to other people to have input into you. It's when you need help, you get care. It's when you need challenging. Somebody comes up to you and says, we don't speak like that here. We, we love each other. We serve each other. We, we don't want to be critical. Not trying to challenge you to hurt you, but so that we can live together as community. And we need that in our lives. It's really important for you and me that we connect together. But, but Adam and Eve connected with God. And you and I need connection with God. Not, not connection with church. Church facilitates connection with God. Oh, but I come to church. 
Yeah, but are you connecting with God? You might be here this morning and you've been to different churches or you've, you've come here just to, to, to sense what's going on. That's brilliant. We love the fact that you were here. It's amazing that you've come to church. But can I just say to you, you've only gone halfway through. Connection with God is what it's all about. God loves you. Sujith has already said it. God has paid the ultimate price for you. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you and me can have a relationship with him. That you and me can open our lives to him, have our sins forgiven, have our lives restored. That God can change your life, give you a hope and a future. That's the good news that Jesus is God. But also then that we connect with one another. People can help us and serve us and care for us. So connection is a really important part. And then the final thing is that we can choose correctly. In the garden, it says that God placed two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. You can eat from the tree of life. Adam and Eve, you eat as much as you like, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was, there was abundance, but there was restriction. You see, being planted in the house means that we're going to put God above our lives and above our wants. God gives us the opportunity today to say, you can come to church and you can, you can wander in, you can be part and you can get saved and you can have a look around. But he says, if you get planted, what you've got to do is you've got to choose me above you. So on that day, when Adam and Eve looked at the trees, when Adam and Eve actually ate off it, what did they do? They chose to live what they wanted rather than what God wanted. And they made the wrong choice. We know that they were expelled from the garden. We know that everything went wrong from there. Everything broke up and Jesus had to come and die to restore us back in. And for you and me today, the choice that God wants us to make is to put him first. Being planted in the house means that we are going to live by his code, not our code. It means that we're going to live by what he says, not what everybody around us says. And so I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but in the church, we're not living by the world's values. We're living by God's values. We're not living by what I want to do and what you want to do and what you think best and what I think best. We're living by what he says is best. And the Bible actually gives us instruction on how we're to behave, what we're to do, how we're to act, how we're to treat each other, how we're to care for each other, what we're to do in our community, how we're to live. We need to be planted because we need to draw from the church environment the strength that we need to stand in a world that is pushing us into the corner. Christianity is now being marginalized. Christianity is now being squashed. You can't have that view. You can't hold this view. But the fact is, we're not holding our view. We're holding his view. And we need, to, we need to choose to live for him. That doesn't mean being obstinate. It doesn't mean being negative. It just means I want to choose him first. I want to put him first in my life. Listen to Deuteronomy 30, 19. I'm nearly done. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. This is God speaking to his people. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. God doesn't come to command. 
He doesn't come to dictate. He doesn't come to push and manipulate. He doesn't come to strong arm us. He comes to reconcile with us and says, come on, choose life. Come on, take the right choice. Make the right option. And I want to say to you today, there's a moment right here, right now, for every one of us to choose. What am I going to be like? Not for me, not for my life right now, but for my children and my children's children. I want to say this to you, and I've written this down in bold and I've underlined it. Satan is after families. Satan is after the generations like never before. And our schools in all the different things that's going on in social media, he is trying to destroy lives before they can actually flourish and become what God has ordained for them. And we need to, we need to understand that we've got an opportunity to bring them into an environment where they can receive everything they need. They can get truth, hope, and grace. They can have life and freedom. They can make good choices and put God first, and they can know what it is to build a life and move into everything that he's got for them. But sometimes the biggest hindrance to that happening is you and me as parents or grandparents. Because instead of seeing us hot and planted and fruiting in the house of God, They see us wishy-washy, and then they think, oh, well, that's what it's about then, is it? The guy who created, I can't remember his jolly name, who created communism in Russia, Karl Marx. Karl Marx was a Jew, brought up in a Jewish family. And his father was in business. He was in the town where he was living, but his business was going well. And so they decided to relocate to another town. Karl Marx was living in the house, saw his father, understood his, his understanding of religion. And when they went to this other town, because his father couldn't progress financially and get the business deals he wanted to, his father said, from now on, we're not Jewish. We're not going to live by our religion. We're not going to do what we once did. We're now going to accommodate ourselves to this new environment so that we can get the business that we need. And Karl Marx writes that at that time, he saw his father change from living for something to now living for nothing. And he decided, and Karl Marx later would write this, that religion is the opium of the masses. Because of one impact, if you like, probably there was other factors, but because his dad ditched what he believed, Karl Marx grew up and became the proponent of one of the worst things that has probably hit the planet, called communism, where he wrote about left-wing socialism to the point where everything that happened in the 20th century, millions and millions of people impacted by it and killed by it, all the different fallout. Why? Because he didn't see his dad stand when he needed to stand. I wonder how many kids are not in church today, not because they disagree with God, not because they disagree with the Bible, not because they disagree with anything. It's just that they saw their parents treating God as a commodity, and so they now treat God exactly the same. We have an opportunity in our day and generation for God front and center, to get planted in the house of God, to live for him. I don't want to condemn anybody, but you're fighting for generations. 
You're fighting for your legacy. You're fighting for your grandkids. You might be 15, but you're fighting for your children and your children's children. How? By standing and being what God wants us to be. We are sold out on you, Jesus. We love you. We want to contribute. We want to make sure that we are committing to what you've called us to do. We want to be the people you want us to be in community. We want to choose right by putting you first. I wonder if you'd bow your head for a moment. You may be here and you've never committed your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered your heart to him. You've come in today and you're thinking, what are you talking about? Let me just say this to you. Jesus loves you. God is fanatical about you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want to criticize you. He doesn't feel negative about you. But he's saying, choose life. Choose me. Allow me to come in to your heart. I sent my son Jesus to die for you so that you can have a hope and a future. So while every head is bowed, if you were here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, it's a great moment for you today to just say yes to him. We do this every week in churches right across the globe. People respond and say, that's me. I want to invite Jesus into my life. So if you are here and you want to invite Jesus to come into your heart, I just want to invite you right now, where you are, to raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. I'm going to just pray a simple prayer to lead you to Jesus. Is there anybody? Anybody at all? Just raise your hand so I can see it. And you can put it down. Thank you. Put your hand down. Anybody else? We may have all done that, done this already. I'm aware of that, but just you might be here today and your heart is pumping because you know I need to give my life don't allow your mind to talk your heart out of what it needs to do just respond to Jesus final call is there anybody want to join this lady okay I'm going to pray this prayer this can be your prayer even if you haven't put your hand up this can be your prayer today heavenly father come to you today and I thank you for Jesus I thank you that he died for me Jesus come into my heart help me to live for you for this moment on but I ask it in Jesus name amen just keep your heads bowed for one minute I don't want to be long but I do want to I do want to challenge you God challenges his people choose today choose life you may be here you're not part of a team maybe you've joined a couple of weeks when you make a resolution today, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to serve in this church. I'm going to get planted. I'm going to sow into this church. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to connect to this church. I'm going to join a group. I'm going to make a choice today to put my family first. If that's you, just make that before God. Father, I thank you for every person who's here today. I thank you that you love them, that you've placed them here. It's no... It's no uh, thing that they are here today. It's actually your purpose, your divine will. You want them to find life and to flourish. And I pray that you would help them to get planted into your house, that they might flourish in the courts of our God. Bless every single person here, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.